How are you? My name is John. This is Gilberto, and we're going to be uh, leading worship this morning. I, I want to pray before, and then we're going to have some fun. Uh, our, our worship leader, Destiny, isn't here. There's a family emergency, so which means that I get to fill in, which means I get to do whatever I want. So we're going to have some fun. I don't know if Destiny would approve or not, but we're going to have some fun. Uh, so come, Holy Spirit, because, uh, uh, Lord, uh, we need you. And we want to welcome you into all of life this morning, wherever we're coming from. Come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you into all of life. And we love you, Jesus. We love you. Okay, so uh, for those of you who can stand, I'd invite you to stand. And then for those of you who don't have rhythm, in the name of Jesus, receive rhythm. (laughs) Receive it. And uh, there's... I'm actually, I'm a big fan of gospel music, and I can't do it. I play guitar. I don't play the black keys on a keyboard. So uh, I, I, we're going we're gonna to do the best that we can, I think, this morning, which is call and response. So it'll be something like this. You're going to follow Roberto. So uh, let's see. I have a living hope. I have a future. Okay, so you're not proving yourselves at all this morning. So let's try again. Let's try again. I have a living hope. I have a future. I have a future. Oh, see, you're doing good now. You're warming up. Maybe it was just early. We should start the service at 1030. We could, but we can't do that. In any case, so we're going to sing this morning and clap. When this drum hits, you're going to be clapping with it. And my coordination may not be best, but we're going to do our best that when you feel this drum hit, you can clap with it. And we're going to have fun, okay? So the chorus goes like this. You don't know it, but you're going to pretend that you know it. It's going to be great, okay? Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. That wasn't too bad, right? Hold on, I'm going to take my coffee off of my drum because otherwise we're going to have a mess and that'll be distracting. Thank you, Vanessa. Let's sing that again. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. One more time, Jesus. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. Good job. All right, you ready for that call and response part now? We're going to have some fun. Okay, here we go. You ready? I have a living hope. I have a living hope. I have a future. God has a plan for me. God has a plan for me. Of this I'm sure. 
of this I'm sure. Jesus, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. All right, we got one more for you. It begins with your word is faithful. Your word is faithful. Your word is faithful. Mighty in power. Mighty in power. God will deliver me. God will deliver me. Of this I'm sure. Of this I'm sure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. Good job. Good job. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are our firm foundation. Yes. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the Hallelujah. Because he 
Hallelujah, because he Yours is the kingdom. Oh, it is 
While they were eating, this is from Mark's Gospel, while they were eating, he took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to them, and said, take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank from it. He said to them, this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So when we take communion, as the Apostle Paul says, we are remembering the manner of the Lord's death, and we are rejoicing in the fact that He's present with us in the communion service, and we're also looking forward to our great gathering in eternity after the Lord comes back when he's going to sit down with all the saints, with all those he's saved by his shed blood and broken body and have a great meal, a great feast together. Are you looking forward to that? But we get a foretaste of it today. He's here. We can't see him with these eyes, but he's here. He's, he's present by faith in the bread and the grape juice. So... If you would stand with me and let me just say, I think we've got it down pretty well, but you come up these aisles and uh, take and go back. You take the gluten-free cracker and dip it in the juice and you can eat it there or you can take it back to your seat and eat it. Or if you prefer to have the little individual cups, that's fine. Lord, we thank you so much for your shed blood and your broken body that cleanses us and heals us and we come with joy in our hearts today 
as we consecrate these things to you and ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come to the Lord's table. are roaring the praise of your glory for you are raised to life again you have no rival you have no equal now and forever God you Before ministry time, even before the words are up on the screen, I ask for your spirit to come. Yes. I thank you that you're here. God, would you move among us and heal every sickness and every disease, break every chain. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you move even when we don't do anything. Let's just wait on the Lord. Lord, you're here. Holy Spirit, you are here. We thank you that you are here. Yes. So up on the screen for you is a prayer that we pray, and it's an announcement of God's kingdom. Would you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We are here for God's kingdom, to announce it, to celebrate it, to declare it, to proclaim it, to demonstrate it. Lord, would you come and just don't hold back today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Arlita, would you come and talk to us about what's going on in the church? Good morning. My name is Arlita Arelli, and I'm so glad to see um, so many new and familiar faces here today. Whether you're worshiping with us here, I'm in person or online, we're just so thankful you chose to worship with us. And as we all humbly welcome Jesus into all of life, which is the mission of our church. A couple of quick announcements. Um, if you are new, again, we hope you feel welcome. If you are, this is your second or third time, like we tend to be like really welcoming people. So like, it's not just you, it's like everybody's welcoming. So if you haven't been welcomed, I apologize because we might have like slipped up a little bit, but we just hope you feel welcome. Um, it's just, it's this family, like our Sundays are like a family reunion every week. We come back together. People live all over the city, outside of the city, and they come together for our family reunion every Sunday. And so we just want you to feel part of our family and welcome. A couple of quick announcements. If you're not getting the weekly newsletters of what's going on in the life of the church, you can complete this connect card or there's a QR code at the back table. You can do that. If you're like, I don't know what's happening, but like I filled one of those cards out, just let me know and I can make sure that your email address is in there correctly. And if you are getting them and you don't want to, you're welcome to unsubscribe whenever you want. But even more importantly, our church really uh, spends a lot of time praying throughout the course of the week. We have a team praying before the service, um, asking the Lord how he wants to meet people today. And then we also have a team of people that meet every Tuesday to pray for different needs within the church, family, members, uh, whatever the case may be. And so we also have a prayer card out here, and you can keep it anonymous if you want to. Um, that prayer team is the only, only people that know about those needs. Unless you want it shared or there's a testimony to share um, that you want to participate in, we will keep it anonymous. But um, we do have a high value of prayer here. So please take advantage of those opportunities. Just a couple of quick announcements. Um, this coming Wednesday, we have our second summer small group, monthly small group at the Fiesta building, the former Fiesta building just down Broadway. Um, it's a, sometimes summer small groups are hard because we can't commit to weekly. We're going on vacation or um, just kids are in activities. It's hard to do. So we decided to make this summer small group for people that don't have a small group. You're welcome to come even if you're in a small group. You like all the small groups. You go to all of them. Um, but this Wednesday at 6.30, dinner is provided. And it's just a great time um, doing something called the Discovery Bible Study and this is a very simple way to bring the scriptures to life and help us lead us toward more discipleship uh, towards Jesus. If you want more information, again, come to the back table or email info at missionvineyard.org. And then uh, just lastly, um, some of you are, have already probably been called or will be called this week, but we're doing this big, hairy, audacious event on August 5th. And One Hope for Kids is a foster adoption agency that we par partner with here in San Antonio, Bear County. And uh, we want to just bless them and their foster families and give them a night at the museum. And so we've rented out the space after hours, and we have a role for everybody. Even people that are going to be away that night, we have little gift bags we're going to put together beforehand. So if there's a way you want to serve, 
Um, we'll have food in here. Um, just being around in the museum, kind of just being present for people. Um, there's an opportunity there. So again, you can email info at missionvineyard.org or go to onehope.missionvineyard.org and there's a form you can fill out. Or you'll get a lovely phone call from one of our pastors this week saying, hey, would you like to serve? Um, sometimes a personal invitation is really helpful. So anyway, that's it for the quick announcements. I'm going to pray for our giving and the rest of our service. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, God, for all that you give to us. Every spiritual gift, every need that we have, Lord, you promise to meet and to hear our prayers and our cries for help, all of it, Lord. And so, Lord, just every, everything we have, whether it's financially or just with our personhood or whatever, God, I just ask that you would use it for your kingdom glory. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, do you mind getting, um, sorry. Good morning. 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 My name is John Arelli. I'm a senior pastor here. Uh, in just a moment, this is an odd thing, but I'll be inviting my daughter up. I don't, we don't typically get the kids involved. We like to protect their space, but uh, this was something she wanted to do this morning, so I'm going to invite her up in just a second. But before I do, I have a bit of a special announcement and it's not something that I think we've ever really done. Uh, well, we've done it once. When opportunities come up in the church, uh, specifically around a financial need, it's for me, as a senior pastor, I typically don't like to share them. Why is that? Because uh, finances are, are a sensitive place for people. On the other side, uh, we have a board that is amazing and healthy, and they love when and they just have a completely different perspective. That's why we have a board, and it's not just senior pastor-led church. So they said, John, I think it's really important that you share what's going on in the church financially. And I went, okay, I'll do my best. Uh, so this is not a plead for help. This is not a desperation. I want to tell you what's going on in the church financially, because I believe that you should know. And when I say everything that I'm about to say, please know that... Uh, our core belief here at Mission Vineyard is that God doesn't need your money and that the church doesn't need your money, uh, that God does it, and he invites us to join in with his business. So I'm going to share the need because that's the honest thing to do, and I'm also declaring that, like, this isn't on us. It may be that some of you are going, oh, Jesus, like, you're asking me to participate in this. Maybe it's regular giving. Maybe it's a first-time gift. Maybe it's, like, I want to take care of this whole need, Jesus. You've given me enough for, to do this. So specifically, I just want to name it just for what it is. We got pretty bold this year, and uh, we didn't name a budget that was bigger than last year. We named it that was smaller than last year, knowing all the transitions that were going on in the world. So instead of something that was maybe over 300000 we said, as a church, let's have a budget of 282000 and we did that knowing that we had some savings in the bank account. And, and so we said, we know, we're projecting, we have an idea that the income for this year will be 266000 So we knew ahead of time that there was going to be over $10,000 of uh, savings dip. And we did that because of the passion, honestly. And this church blows me away. The passion that we had for sending money outside of the church. So... Uh, some of you tithe, and so, and I'm going to be talking about tithing today, unrelated to this, believe it or not, uh, that you dedicate 10% of your income to the Lord, specifically to the church. And as a church, we started out like that. In fact, 
at one point, <laughs> the income of the church was 70000 and we took on a $17,000 project that was early on, and God completely took care of it. In fact, today, that project is a $28,000 project, and a grant is completely taking care of that. So like all that I'm talking about, we give over 20% of our income as a church just out the doors. And on top of that, we also funnel another $28,000 of other people's money <laughs> to awesome work in San Antonio. So we get to operate in amazing generosity. Uh, knowing that, we set our budget in a specific way. And we said, let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's expect God to do things. But if for some reason he's just asking us to spend down all of our savings, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because it's worth it for what he's asking us to do. And we, I mean, praying and fasting, the board and leaders, just this is what God is asking us to do. So here we are halfway through the year. Instead of having a projected income of 266000 which again includes fifty dollars to $60,000 of just money out the doors of the church. Just amazing fun in the community. Uh, our projected income for this year is $20,000. Uh, two, I'm sorry, not $20,000, $200,000. I've got the numbers here. I just forgot a zero. Um, so we're, we're probably, the way it looks, by the end of the year, we're probably going to be down $66,000 on our budget. And that's what the board said. Just be honest about it. Like, this is where we're going. We've got the savings to cover it. Like, we will go down to zero probably at the end of the year if that happens. Uh, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Even so, if there are some people that say, hey, wait a second, I didn't know that. I could totally give to that. You know, I've never even tried to do that. I'd love to add to that. Then go for it. Give. Maybe some of you, ah, I can cover the 66000 There's people like that. <laughs> Maybe Herschel's laughing. <laughs> Yeah, I heard just laughing because chances are, even as a pastor, he's done something crazy like that in his life. Uh, I just encourage you, this is a time where, as a church, we get to go, God, how are you asking me to participate in this as we know the needs? Okay? All right. Uh, with that, I, I do want to invite Gabriella up. And there's a mic here for you, Gabri. Gabri and I have known each other for 15 years. I would hope so. Maybe, you know, felt you kicking maybe a little bit before that. Maybe, just, just a little bit. And over the years, it's been, you know, really fun to see what your relationship with Jesus has looked like. And more and more, as like you're now 15, it's become certainly more your own, right? Little yeah. by little. So you were telling me the other day that sometimes, as teenagers do, you, you've gone through times of struggle, especially when it comes to, like, looking in the mirror. And, and how would you name that? Um, well, I think, I feel like it happens to a lot of teenagers. Maybe not, but it happens to a lot. And adults. And adults. <laughs> but there's, there can be a lot of times where you're either doubting yourself and your beliefs or you're doubt, or you're like criticizing yourself in the mirror in at like nine o'clock at night, <laughs> which happened to me. Yeah. And uh, I was looking in the mirror. Uh, I had went up to bed, and I was looking in the mirror. And sometimes, um, when it's kind of dark and you're looking in a mirror, it distorts your face. And it was distorting my face because science. <laughs> and um, 
And I got this little whisper voice in my head that was just criticizing every single part of my body. Mm. And it started getting louder and louder and louder to the point where it felt like it was shouting at me and I couldn't think of anything else. To the point where I was covering my ears and crying, basically on the ball on the floor and just like telling it to stop. And it would not. (laughs) Yeah. These voices can sometimes be really overwhelming. You're not the only one. And uh, sometimes we don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. We got to talking about this. Mm -hmm. And you hate lying. I love honesty. (laughs) (laughs) And and you were able to recognize these voices as lies. Yeah. Um, And when I told you this, uh, I said that... uh, I could tell that they were lies because lies never feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And this was powerful to me. And I really feel like it's a thing from the Lord that the Lord revealed. For you, you you love the truth. You love honesty. You hate lying. And and part of that is what, what we sometimes are, what we sometimes behave as when we do lie, which is, why do we lie? Well, um, this is something I feel like the Lord really gave you. I thought it was really powerful. Well, a lot of the time when a lot of the times when people lie, they're afraid of what the other person is going to do if they say the truth. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, our relationship is going to be in shambles if I tell the truth, so I have to lie to them. Honestly, it's going to do the right. opposite. Yeah. Um, yeah, lies always destroy relationship. And as you were naming all these voices that were coming over you as lies, the Lord revealed something that was pretty powerfully to you. Um, I realized that, like, oh, they're lying to me because they're afraid. The enemy is speaking these lies over you because it's they're afraid. afraid of what will happen when the truth gets seated in you. And the Lord became, he began seeding in you some of the truth that is about you, that if you're able to live in it, would completely transform the world. So what's some of that truth that the enemy was trying to keep, put lies in you, but it was because he was afraid if the truth got seeded, what would happen? What's the truth? About how God sees you. Well, he sees me as beautiful, strong woman who knows herself. And all the lies coming to my head is like, I don't know myself. I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way that I act. I don't know if any of this Jesus stuff is real. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but he does. He knows. I'm human. I don't know everything. But he knows. He knows all of it. And uh, continuingly, like, as I, like, started to criticize myself more, there's more people around me now that are, like, telling me, like, oh, you're so pretty, oh, you're so beautiful. You tell me a lot that I'm beautiful. I rarely believe you, but... (laughs) um, Dad's voices are different sometimes, but... But... All of you dads were like, yeah, that's good, good try, dad. Um, but, there's, but there was a moment that, 
I, I remember in our conversation, God seated in you that, like, you're his daughter. That you're powerful in him. Mm-hmm. That you do know him and you can talk with him. Mm-hmm. Like, all of this truth, when that gets seated, completely changes everything. So, uh, thank you, Jesus, that, like, he's been putting people around you to help remove those lies and help speak the truth of who God is in your life. And I just, I don't know how comfortable you feel praying for anybody else that may be feeling that way. Uh, not at all? Not, not really. I wasn't prepared. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Uh, but can we, can we pray for Gabri and maybe others like her? Yeah, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for what you're doing in naming the lies, removing the lies, and speaking your truth. And we ask more, Holy Spirit, for all of us, overwhelmed by the lies. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak your truth. Let honesty rule. And Lord, let your power rule and reign through us in such a way that it changes the world. Remind us of who we are, Lord Jesus. We ask in Jesus' name. Anything else? Amen. Thanks, Gabri. When lies are left unresolved, they often lead to fear. When fear is often left unresolved, it leads to anger. And when anger gets unresolved or is left unresolved, it often turns into depression. We run in those cycles all the time, but that's not what Jesus wants for us. Jesus wants freedom for us. That's what I think God's going to do today. God's hope and future comes in a generous relationship between us and Jesus. God's hope and future, the kingdom hope and future, comes to us through our generous relationship with Jesus. Today, I know people are being released from depression. It's already happening. I know people are being released from anger today. I know God is releasing people from fear today. God is resolving, already he's beginning to resolve lies in some of us. Our church may be a little unique, and our mission is to welcome Jesus into all of life, which means that if I've got a scrape on my knee, it's both spiritual and physical. It means that uh, when I give financially, it's both physical and spiritual. It means that if I'm praying for somebody and I feel a pain in my side, I ask Jesus, Jesus, what are you doing? Is there something else I need to pray for? God is so good that he doesn't demonize or belittle our nature. He uses it. He incarnates it. That's a Christmas word. He incarnates it to be utilized for his kingdom. God doesn't say that our bodies are evil, but our spirits are good. God doesn't believe that I can be spiritual without doing anything practical. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. How about we get rid of both and we say that we're in a relationship with Jesus? We're in a generous relationship with Jesus. Enough with believing that I'm just a spiritual person. Don't mind me. I've got my own thing. No. What is Jesus saying to you through his word? How is Jesus casting out the lies? How is he leading you forward? 
So this exact situation was living and breathing in the lives of the Israelites as they returned to Jerusalem after captivity. Nehemiah and his team and all the people, they built up a wonderful new place to live. And there they came marching back, and wouldn't you know it, they didn't act like we think they should have. If they got freed from exile, if they were freed from captivity, and God gave them their land back, boy, they should have lived perfect lives, shouldn't they have? Absolutely perfect. You got it all. Why aren't you a better follower of God? Well, like them, we often take for granted that God is living and breathing and wants more than religion from us, wants more than spirituality from us. He wants relationship. So everything we do is relational. For instance, this is how God is. He likes remembering things. Husbands and wives, what if you forgot your anniversary? Would that change your relationship with your spouse? Every year, maybe it happens. What if you stopped celebrating birthdays, for instance? I was at a great five-year-old birthday yesterday. It was so fun. What if we just stopped doing that? Oh, it's not important. We're just spiritual people. What if we stopped telling people that we loved them? Why is it that in faith, it seems to be a place where instead of giving our best, we give our least. We go for the least common denominator in order to maybe appease a distant God. I don't know. Malachi addresses this. He challenges them. And one of the places he hits is with finances. Because each one of us can look at our budgets, if we have them. That may be a challenge. We'll talk about that today. And we'll see where we actually value things in our lives. Food, rent, electricity, right? Netflix, maybe. Whatever it is, God's given us the freedom of using his resources, and then we put them where we believe they should be. But what God is asking for, instead of our, our last or our least, he's asking for our first and our best. Because this isn't a religious or a spiritual thing. This is a relational thing. And the relationship to God is the most precious thing that he wants to give us. So watch this. This is Malachi chapter 3, verse 2. And the prophet's addressing the people. And let me tell you what's been going on. After returning to Jerusalem, their behavior didn't reflect their relationship with God. And it wasn't just the lay people. It was the priests as well. They had taken God's standards. They started making fun of them. They started going to make their sacrifices and going, ah, what's God going to do anyway? Like he's ever done anything for us. And they would like use profanity against him. They would start talking about what a silly thing was that they had to make these sacrifices. All the, the different things that God had asked them to do and, and how crazy it was that God made all these laws. They were completely rebellious, but worse than that, they were cynical. They were cynical of God's generosity towards them, of God's relationship towards them. They weren't obeying. And they were angry that their neighbors were getting away with murder 
and still able to capture riches. So the men started divorcing their wives in order to marry other women who were worshiping other gods. And all of a sudden, Jerusalem turned into another pagan place of worship, not by the hands of anybody else but themselves. Over and again. So Malachi addresses them finally in chapter 3. He says, on the day the Lord comes, because the Lord's going to come and he's going to fix all this. Let me tell you, as you're seeing interest rates go up and prices for things go up, the Lord's going to come and deliver us, finally. But he's here in the midst of us as well. On the day the Lord comes, he will be like a furnace that purifies silver or like a strong soap in a wash basin. No one will be able to stand up to him. The Lord will purify the descendants of Levi, those are the priests, as though they were gold or silver. Then they will bring the proper offerings to the Lord, and the offerings of the people of Judah and Jerusalem will please him, because they haven't been pleasing him. They've been bringing animals that were already dead, wounded, sick. I saw this one cartoon where one of the lambs had like three eyes, you know. They weren't bringing their best. They were bringing their last and their least. But one day God's going to come and their offerings will be relational again. They'll be pleasing to him. Just as it was in the past. The Lord, all powerful, said, I'm now on my way to judge you. And I will quickly condemn all who practice witchcraft or cheat their marriage or tell lies in court or rob workers of their pay or mistreat widows and orphans or steal the property of foreigners or refuse to respect me. Descendants of Jacob, I am the Lord, all-powerful, and I never change. That's why you haven't been wiped out. Even though the relationship is all wrong, God is still coming for them. He still wants relationship with them. Even though you have ignored and disobeyed my laws ever since the time of your ancestors, but if you return to me, I will return to you. And yet you ask, because you're frustrated and cynical about a relationship. You feel like I've disappointed you for some reason. You ask, how can we return You people are robbing me, your God. And here you're asking, how are we robbing you? You are robbing me of the offerings and of the 10% that belongs to me, is what God tells them. In some versions of the scriptures, it says tithe. You're robbing me of the tithe. That's why your whole nation is under a curse. I am the Lord all-powerful. And I challenge you to put me to the test which in all of the 66 books of the Bible, this is the only place that God says, test me on this. Test me on this. Test me on this. Bring the entire 10%, bring the tithe into the storehouse. Your first and your best, so there will be food in my house. Then, then, then I will open the windows of heaven. Look at the generosity that's named here. I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. 
I will also stop locusts from destroying your crops and keeping your vineyards from producing. I love the Dave Ramsey translation of this, by the way. If you've ever been through a Dave Ramsey course, Financial Peace University, he has a great picture of this. He has the picture of a demon with a little, like, hammer, like, that's destroying your car engine. Instead of the locust, because what a locust to us. I don't, I don't know how many farmers there are here that deal with locusts. Maybe there are. But for most of it, it's car problems. And so for Dave Ramsey, he has this picture of a demon that's knocking on the engine, about to destroy the, the engine. This is what the Lord is saying. He's saying, I will stop this from happening. The devourer is another translation. Every one of every nation will talk about how I have blessed you and about your wonderful land. I, the Lord all-powerful, have spoken. You have, had, you have said horrible things about me, and yet you ask, what have we said? They're treating God like he's not wanting a personal relationship. They're treating him like he's a distant religious figure. They're saying, well, what does it matter to you if we curse you in private or even in public? You're God, after all. Why don't you fix it? This is the attitude that was going on. What have we said? Here's what you've said. You've said it's foolish to serve the Lord God, all-powerful. What do we get for obeying God and from going around looking sad and repenting and, and feeling bad about our sins? See how happy those arrogant people are? Everyone who does wrong is successful. And when they put God to the test, they always get away with it. They're worse, God. I mean, come on. Can you hear it? Can you hear them just kind of moping, going, why are you so mean to us? Why aren't you tell other people that they're bad? Trying to push away and really scapegoat their own issues. All those who truly respected the Lord and honored his name started discussing these things. So a small group starts on the side. And they start focusing on what it might look like if they actually did repent and follow God. And when God saw what was happening, he had their names written as a reminder in his book. Then the Lord All-Powerful said, You people, you who are trying to obey me, are precious to me. And when I come to bring justice, I will protect you, just as parents protect an obedient child. Then everyone will once again see the difference between those who obey me by doing right and those who reject me by doing wrong. Do you see what's going on here? The people have become rebellious. They have forgotten the relation, the relationship they had with God. The, the invitation that God didn't give anybody else. He said to them, would you come and be friends with me? I want to change this world for the better. Would you come and walk with me? I want to talk with you. I want to lead you. I want to give you everything that you've ever needed. I want to be generous to you. I want to open the whole doors of heaven so that you have more to be generous with. And they said, yeah, but God, those other people are doing fine and they don't follow you. They don't have to keep their wives or their husbands. They don't have to follow your laws. They don't have to just do your traditions. They can do witchcraft and they're fine. And God says, hey, I'm your creator. I'm your God. I'm holy. I'm not some far-off religious being that you can pay homage to whenever you want to. I'm the Lord. I want relationship with you. I love you. I want you to be close to me. 
Don't stand off about this stuff. Don't make all that behavior just spiritual stuff or just natural stuff. Don't separate the two. I want relationship with you. I want you to welcome everything into me. I'm the Lord. I want relationship with my people who I personally rescued. I want to bless you. And I don't want to do it from afar. I want to do it relationally. If you're like me, you have gone through this process with God before, where God has given you something amazing. And beginning with salvation, he's died on the cross for us. Each one of us can say, God died for me. He sent his son Jesus to die for me. He's forgiven my sins. And so in reflection of that, boy, early on, have you ever met a new Christian before? Have you ever been a new Christian before? And how exciting it is. Jesus, save me! I was once like this. Now I'm not. Woohoo! And like, you, like, they, they are annoying. Because they're so high up on what God's done. But that's the reality. It's because they get it. It's because it's fresh. And these guys didn't get it anymore. And sometimes neither do I. So instead of waking up passionately and thankfully to be in front of my Father in Heaven who saved me, excitedly looking to His Word that He set apart that I could read and get knowledge and wisdom and have a better life, and instead of wanting His generosity to pour out on me, I make another cup of coffee. The least and the last instead of the first and the best. But relationally, he loves us so much. He's always giving us his first and his best. <clears throat> and he wants to pour out more. After, uh, I grew up at a church in New England. It's, uh, the name of the church is Grace Chapel. And the many pastors have changed hands. But uh, recently, the pastor there is friends with us. Uh, he had done a great sermon series on generosity and just some three simple steps for what it might mean for us to step in to God's hope and future, especially around the area of finances. But as I was listening and as I was reading, I realized that these three steps are really appealing, not just for our finances, but they're appealing for every single step we make in relationship with God, where we get to participate in his generosity towards us and his generosity towards the world. And so I've stolen these. Brian knows I've stolen them from him. We've talked about it. And uh, at least I, I told him via email. And so I want to go through these. Because these are three simple steps for the way that God invites us to participate in his generosity. Not just financially, but relationally. Full on relationally in every capacity that he wants us to have. His generosity, his generosity of love, his generosity of relationship. So number one, first tip, is to look at our roles on the earth, not as owners of our stuff, but as stewards of our stuff. And for those of you who haven't grown up in medieval England, you don't know what a steward is. So a steward is somebody who is generously handed off the goods for their care. So for instance, the first time you got to drive somebody else's car, you were a steward of their vehicle. I'm right now, this summer, a steward of my father-in-law's vehicle, and I'm thankful for it because it's electric and I don't have to pay a lot in gas. 
but as a steward, I'm very careful about where we park this car. But he also wants me to use it generously. It's a weird thing. So I'm thankful for that. But a steward is what our actual role is with the Lord. Watch this in Psalm 24 and 1 Chronicles 29. That the earth is the Lord's. The earth doesn't belong to us. None of the resources that we use, nothing that we work hard for and strive for, nothing that we built on the earth actually belongs to us. Because everything that we're building first came from him. The earth and everything in it is the Lord. And he has generously given it to us for our stewardship. He trusts us because of the relationship that he wants with us. Look at this. This is David uh, from 1 Chronicles. He said, everything in the heavens and on the earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion, people are made great and give strength. This is not about me. I am not the hero of the story. God is. He's the creator. I'm the steward. He's the one who's generous. I'm the one that reflects it. Jesus hates when we misuse his resources. If you look in the scriptures, and I'm remembering now, I didn't put it in the notes, but Jesus tells a parable about someone being stewarded resources, talents, and how those talents were completely misused. And at the end of the story, it's not good. One of the many ways that Jesus talks about hell, he uses right there. He says, those who didn't use my resources well were tossed out into burning and gnashing of teeth. God hates when we take our, the resources he's given us and we don't use them in relationship with him. The one steward in the story just didn't trust that God was going to follow through. And that's the lie that we often face, isn't it? Every time we've prayed and God hasn't answered the way we wanted to, every time we've struggled in a difficult situation, most often those situations, we never talk to him in the first place. We won't talk about that. God wants to pour out himself generously to us. He wants us to use his resources for his kingdom. But that is not a religious thing. That's a relational thing. He's inviting us into that. He wants us as his priests, all of us, to be places where his resources can be blessed and used well. So number one, look at your role as a steward and not an owner. Number two, make a plan to be generous. The word organic is really annoying to me. You who are gardeners understand the word organic. You know what it takes to make organic soil? A lot of work and years of specific addition, of specific things and intentionality over time and energy and time and energy. Organic today is used as a term of, oh, I just like it to be organic, like whatever comes. Our relationship with God takes investment, takes intentionality. His generosity towards us takes our willingness to invest that time. So number two is the encouragement to make a plan to be generous. If we're talking about money, 
This is especially important where 8.5%, things are 8.5% more expensive than they were six months ago. We need a plan for our money. It's the most significant increase in the prices since 1981. God wants us to have financial freedom no matter what's going on. The truth is, even before the last six months, even before COVID, 64% of all Americans were living to paycheck to paycheck. And it's just gotten worse since there. And these aren't people that, I mean, some are in hard shape, but some have six-figure incomes living paycheck to paycheck. 64% of all Americans. 54% of Americans have chronic anxiety about money. 31% of couples argue about finances every month. Don't raise your hands. 77% of Americans are carrying consumer debt. This isn't school loans or mortgages. This is credit card debt. And the average is $17,000 per person. So imagine a two-family household, that's $34,000 of consumer debt. 77% of Americans. And let me tell you, I'm really good at running that bill up. I've done it up to $50,000 three times. I've had to go through Dave Ramsey seven times. <laughs> I keep teaching it for me. And if you want more information about that, I'd love to teach it again this fall. For me. Even those with a lot of money, when the relationship gets lost between God and his generosity towards us, even those with millions and millions and millions can begin to live in a scarcity mentality. Where all of a sudden we start hoarding and living in fear, thinking that we need to protect the greatness that has been accomplished. And that's a different thing than stewardship. Stewardship always believes that my hands are open in relationship with God for where he wants it to go. Scarcity says, I'm always afraid that somebody's going to take it from me and I need to protect it. The truth is that wealth does not create freedom. Most billionaires are not enjoying their lives. Generosity does. The generosity of God creates freedom. And we get to join in with that. So make a plan to be generous. Number three. Don't just make a plan. Do it. Be generous. So whether that is giving for the first time, whether it's tipping for the first time, generosity is just doing more than what's expected. In our world, the expectation's pretty low. But thanks to the church and, and followers of Jesus, the expectations have gone up. I want, there are some other slides here that I'd love to show you. There's, a, there's, been some bad, there's been some bad press about the church, and it's probably going to continue because there have been some popular figures that have done some bad things. Hold on, Elias. I'll, I'll, we'll, get, we'll get to you at some point. But there are some stats that I wanted to put up. Some charts? No, they're not there. I didn't upload them. Well, fine. We'll send it out to you later. The truth is that followers of Jesus, and especially regular church attenders, are four times as generous as the rest of the world. 
Four times. Four times as generous. And if they're not attending church, it's, they're still three times as generous if they count themselves as a person of faith. I mean, there's all kinds of statistics that I had this morning on, about followers of Jesus who are adopting people, adopting children. Not like adults, but children. And the rates of adoption far more than those that aren't followers of Jesus. The happiness, the happiness quotient, far more than those who are not following Jesus. I mean, talk about pleasure of intimacy in marriages. There are statistics that followers of Jesus, those who obey, those who participate in God's generosity, are far more happy and far more successful because of participating in God's generosity. As a follower of Jesus, maybe you don't even consider yourself a follower of Jesus. Maybe you would just call yourself a Christian. Okay. The temptation is to live a good life. And we often think that God wants me to live a good life. Well, it's possible that he doesn't want you to live the good life that you thought he wanted you to live. For some of you, he's asking you to go to dangerous places in poverty in order to share his generosity with people who need it. It's possible that the American dream is not part of the generosity that God wants to share with you. He wants to share with you his generosity so that his generosity could be shared with those that would never touch the American dream. We're not talking about wealth here. We're talking about the spiritual gift of what God does when he shares his own generosity with us and then it outpours into the world. This is the blessing of being a follower of Jesus. And it brings joy, not some temporary happiness, but joy. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians I want to leave us with. Believe me, I am landing the plane. I know it's been a long one. Do we have the scripture from 2 Corinthians? No. Yeah. Yeah, there's two slides there. You can start at the beginning. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources, then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Look what he's doing. He's not saying you're going to be happy with yourself and be able to isolate in your own success. He's saying I'll increase your resources to provide a great harvest of what? Of generosity, of being able to give more than expected. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts, Paul's talking about taking financial gifts from the church in Corinth to Jerusalem to the Jews who are under oppression. When we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Keep going. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. What would it look like to be someone who is living 
and participating in God's generosity. This is the invitation today. We've been talking about finances, looking at our roles as stewards and not owners, making a plan to be generous, taking the first step of generosity. I want to encourage, for those of you who have given a financial gift before, to make a decision in your family as you budget to do that regularly, and then maybe even proportionately, and maybe even reaching into the tithe, and maybe even abundantly. God, I know, has completely changed our family's life because of the way he's changed our budget. So I would have to be honest with you. As a pastor, I never thought that I'd be able to live giving more than tithing. And sometimes I don't want to. But then in relationship with Jesus, he shows me where that abundant giving is supposed to go. And it's so fun. It's so fun. Beyond finances, I want to invite you to a couple of changes. And one is to forgive somebody this week. The generosity of God comes to us guaranteed right now in his kingdom presence. His hope and future is most proven in our forgiveness and the forgiveness of our sins. And so the forgiveness is one of the first places of generosity that I think God asks us into. So that you would dedicate to forgive somebody this week. Again, to give generously this week. To lean towards financial freedom. And then I invite you, if you've never had a generously relational relationship with God, I didn't say that very well. If you've never had a generous relationship with God, if it's been more religious or if it's just been distantly spiritual, would you commit today to receiving a relationship with God that actually leads you forward? Would you stand with me? Beyond that, there are a couple of other words that the prayer team was asking for this morning. I'm just going to lean into those right now. Uh, somebody's lips, probably, uh, possibly somebody uh, has a problem with speech. Somebody's shoulder, upper back needing healing. Somebody feeling like they don't belong. Uh, the word skyscraper, that may mean something to you. We're leaning into those words because sometimes that word is enough and it just... It, for, for the Lord, between you and him, you know what that's all about online. We, we encourage you to lean in this morning as well. Someone new to the Lord who needs just a filling of the Holy Spirit. Teams are available for you. They're gathering already to receive you for prayer. As Alberto begins to play, and I'll play with them, would you come for prayer? Any emotional, physical, or spiritual need? For those of you who have had more of a religious or spiritual life and you've not had a relationship with Jesus, Pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for being so distant. I'm sorry for treating you as the last and the least. I know you want more for me. I know you want more with me. I receive relationship with you. A generous relationship with you. Save me, God, from my loneliness. Save me from my isolation. Save me from making things spiritual, not spiritual. I know I need to welcome you into all of life. Come, Holy Spirit. Lead me forward. Be my Lord and my King. Let your kingdom come in my life. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Come for prayer. Sing with us. And I'll dismiss us in just a moment.
you receive this blessing. You go out in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, filled with him, filled with a generous God who loves relationally and wants more of that relationship with you, that you would come to him and give him your first and your best as he gives you his first and his best. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace. Please come prepare. If you want this, let somebody pray for you to receive it. Go in peace.